Trevor. I was supposed to have my co-host come on, but I messed up because I got the day wrong. So I had to scramble to start this. So I wasn't able to get them in time, but I think it'll work out anyway. I think it'll be fine. So quick things, housekeeping, house cleaning, I always get it mixed up, but go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks and become a subscriber, $5 a month, all that good stuff. You get access to the voice and discord chat server where you get to talk to other fans and you get to also get a preview of who the guests are that are coming and the chance to pose your own questions to them if you want. And you get a newsletter and you also get two episodes a week instead of one and you get access to all the back episodes of the show which at this point all the back premium episodes so at this point i think it's about like maybe it's over 150 at this point you get 150 episodes with just five dollars a month a huge backlog of listening to do and go to champagne sharks at gmail.com if you want to write us about anything and what else i think i think that's basically it, without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest, Nashua. Am I, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, it's Nashua, but yeah, you're good. You're good. Everybody says Nashua, but it's Nashua, but it's fine. <laughs> it's good. Okay. Um, Nashua Khan. Yeah. And if you just tell the people who you are, where to find you, what you think is relevant to know about you, why they should spend their afternoon listening to you today. Uh, okay. So I am always a student, but I've been a freelance writer for five years. Um I used to be kind of very popular and I've died off because I stopped publishing for a bit, but I'm coming back to publishing um, and I'm an activist uh, and I do a lot of community based work, uh, usually f- uh, facilitating and research. Um, I also have a podcast that's uh, I think the only lefty Muslim podcast we found out or I guess qualified as dirtbag left we've been told called Muslim Rum Springa. Um, I'm based out of Toronto. And uh, I think I like to talk about the things that make people uncomfortable. So that's probably why people should keep listening, I think. Um, And I've been off Twitter for a bit, but I'll be back so people can find me by the time this by the time this uploads, I think I will be back. Uh, I had like, I was attacked by a lot of Warren Karens. Yeah, and I didn't want to lose my blue check. So you can find me at Nashua K N A S H W A K A Y on Twitter, also Instagram. And you can find me on my on the podcast uh, Twitter, I usually run it. Uh, Muslim, uh, then R-U-M-S-P-R-N-G-A. We were talking about like different things before um, the show and a lot of it overlaps. And one of the things that we were talking about before, before we even started recording today, uh, we were talking about Aziz Ansari thing, his kind of uh, takebabe.com, babe.net, which is weird. It's a magazine I never heard of before or after. You know, like that's basically the only thing they seem, they seem to have. It was supposed to put them on the map, but they basically fell right off of it again. Were you aware of their magazine before? Is it because I don't read a lot of feminist stuff that I didn't no, know about it? it no, like- no. I actually, and I'm like somebody who, um, a lot of feminist publications reach out to me actually. And like, I decline a lot because I don't want to put out token work. So, uh, but babe.net is not one I had heard of before. Uh, that big kind of uh, piece that they did that uh, I think it had more than 1 million clicks within a week or something. There was some like ridiculous number that like Jezebel never gets um, and other mainstream, more popular feminist media never gets, but they got it for the Aziz and Sari piece. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's crazy. I, I went, I'm going to their um, website now. And none of you seem to have done anything since then. It seems like the last thing they did was that. That's like really sad. Yeah, it's it's really weird. So I guess that's the one reason 
why we didn't hear anything. That seems to be the literal last thing that they did. What's even the What's even the point? That's 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 very bizarre. Yeah, so I have no idea what what that's about. That almost makes it seem more like almost like a plant, like plant, like like what what is that? Yeah, you get all those clicks and you, you don't even spin it off into anything. It was also just poor journalism, which a lot of people feel uncomfortable talking about. I I saw like when that conversation happened, I didn't want to really jump in because everybody was calling anybody who pushed back a little bit a rape apologist. And and what happened was like I'm not saying like that's okay, but I'm also saying it was not it was clearly not rape, but also like um just shutting down anybody who questions like a journalistic platform and their integrity and like where did they come from? Because it was it's so foreign to us babe.net. Like nobody knew what it was. Maybe some college students because it, they they would go to colleges and get writers like to write for free from different colleges, which is like kind of a scheme that a bunch of other um, organizations have used, including a Muslim girl who doesn't pay their college work campus. Um, they call them campus contributors. Um, her campus does the same thing. So a lot of actually, I would say feminist and minority media, um, Brown Girl Magazine is guilty of this as well. Um, we'll have like certain people from different campuses be correspondents, which is like unpaid internships, essentially, and you're reporting from the campus you're from. So Babe.net did that a lot. And so a lot of the people putting in the articles were uh, unpaid students. And then their staff, I think, was paid like 37000 a, a year or something. But yeah, it's it's very weird and bizarre that they just kind of after that piece, they kind of fell off. But they had some weirder other weird pieces that would come that would uh, that were coming up like. There was one piece where they had a, a black writer, they would ask her to do a lot of pieces that were very specific. And now it's been kind of unveiled that like, that was very intentional. So like one of them was for her to go on Tinder and like make her Tinder bio that she, that she would only date subs or like hook up with subs because that's reparations. Oh God. Yeah. So they, they had a lot of those weird pieces where they were trying to get clicks. You know, as soon as you say that article, I can just imagine what the author looked like. Like, I can just imagine, like, this, this is a very certain type of person that, that is willing to write articles like that, you know? And they always have, like, a certain look and aesthetic and, uh... Yeah, look, you're not uh, wrong. Uh, uh, you're not wrong yeah, about the author. I, 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 I'm, I'm sure she was, like, uh, dark, had, like, uh, natural, had, like, a hipster look. I, actually, okay, you know what? I just found her, and, and yeah, okay... Oh, uh, I was I talking about right. the Aziz Ansari, our, uh, our writer, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, the one who did the submissive article. Yeah. Or was yeah, yeah. It. I was talking about that one. Like, But then I looked in. Yeah, it was exactly what I thought. Uh, I, I just looked it up and I asked white guys on Tinder to be my slaves. And these responses are all the reparations I need. My enslaved ancestors would be proud. And and sure enough, she has natural hair and she dresses like a hipster. It, it's, it's, it's weird when you kind of accessorize like minorities. Like, like I noticed like these type of white writers and publications tend to even like their minorities to look a certain way to me. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's it's creepy to me. And sure enough, she looked exactly like what I thought she was going to look like. It's really tacky but yeah apparently yeah it was shut down there's an article about it it was located in vice it was located around the corner from vice our offices in williamsburg like it's the more i'm reading about it the more stereotypically brooklyn this whole uh production is yeah and i i don't know if you uh the pictures of the offices but when the cut went and did a piece there uh apparently they just like kind of acted out a whole day just so the cut writer would get a certain feel for the office but it was a very weird kind of it reminds me of um, the name of that like weird show where it's three, it's like three like kind of woke millennial writers working out of a version of Teen Vogue. 
sounds horrible that I'm like being so vague about it, but I'm forgetting it. Is that a, a real show? Yeah, one of the characters is named Kat. Um, but it's about like they're literally working at Teen Vogue and like exploring their sexuality. It's like a Teen Vogue, but it's fake. But it's you know what it is. And um, one is like one is uh, queer and black, and then one is or biracial, and then one is um, blonde and white from the Midwest, and then one is brunette and like grew up poor. And it's like all the tropes that that they think you need. I, mean, I don't know what's worse, the tropes or that it's, and it's probably kind of accurate too. Uh, and it's feminist. Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm not from New York, but I'm from Toronto and I, I can understand it because we see that here too. But what's weird to me about the the, the Aziz Ansari, like quote unquote cancellation, which I, I, is that now it's the same people who turned a cottage industry out of feminist writing. So like, I'm talking like Rebecca, um, Moira Donegan, Sadie Doyle, like all of those like really white feminist types. And then also women of color who literally like just jumped on Aziz Ansari, um, the the one of the editors of um, Bitch Media wrote a whole series of tweets about Aziz Ansari and like rape culture and him, and they were so quick to cancel him and criticize him. But because they were like kind of Warren supporters, a lot of them, and now Warren has kind of gone to Biden and has been like, I don't believe Biden has done this. They are not touching Biden and his like actual rape allegations that are like multiple yeah, it, and so much more substantial. And what Aziz did is obviously not like cool, but it's also like he acknowledged it. And he also like said he didn't understand these things. What Biden did was clearly like a violation multiple times now. And the hypocrisy is like really weird because I feel like the way a lot of these people who are very fixated on being part of the white ally industrial complex, there's, there's a lot of writers of, of color um, of various races and both genders who seem to have their race beat very entrenched in the uh, white ally industrial complex. And they really buy into that whole, but they kind of expect this kind of reciprocity or same standard that not only doesn't happen, but some of them even um, accept it. Like, like for example, I I think this is idea where I want to show that because I'm a person of color, I can still be fair and stick by my principles. So I think I'm, I'm sure a lot of those women of color writers probably were very into performatively making sure they um were kicking um Aziz and Sari. Like, you know, there's probably almost a performative aspect to it, I think. But these Karen type of feminists, these these white women, they don't really have any issue with being hypocritical. They uh, when Biden came about, they have no problem like, you know, doing the same thing when um when Lena Dunham um had a writer on a show um that was a friend of hers, a male writer, be accused of raping um a black girl on the show. Um she had no problem saying, like, uh, you know, I usually believe women, but in this case, uh, women sometimes lie. And this, this is one of the times, like, you know, like a lot of black women who kind of rode with Lena Dunham got very mad because they don't really have that same problem with throwing people of their own race under the bus if, if necessary. And I, and I can kind of understand that you expect, like, I think it's a very interesting aspect of white feminism. It's very much as do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, yeah. I think, uh, I think what's been lost in kind of um, Me Too and uh, Believe Women, what has been lost and now it's like being exposed and like the kind of rotten fruit of it is being shown of the, the these movements is that and and I do think that they were important and whatnot just so I don't personally I don't know if people are going to cancel me or not people know my opinions but I I think that there's always been issues like there's always been class issues and race issues in them and there's always been like this weird kind of um uptake of me to believe women but now like white women are willing white women and like I would say like liberal brown women um 
I, I don't see enough of a feed anymore on Twitter to see who else is doing this. I just get to hear about it um, from people who are like, oh my God, can you believe this person's being so hypocritical now? But they're they're willing to like abandon this idea of believe all women and me too, which th- those are like kind of weird ideas to begin with because it's like who gets believed. But also um, what's been kind of obscured is this idea that like America has this history where a lot of like the white America's racial anxieties originate in how black men and now black and brown men are violating white women, right? And this is something we witnessed still in Europe where when a lot of Syrian refugees and Afghan refugees and uh, Libyan refugees were going to Europe, there were major magazines taking out covers of like a white woman in the European Union flag and then all of these brown and black hands grabbing at her, um, which is like the imagery that used to be evoked here. And so you can't have you you can't and then and then we have this whole history where like everybody's forced to read To Kill a Mockingbird to learn about race, which is like absurd because there's so many better books. But anyways, whatever, Harper Lee. But um, <laughs> but, but um, but if we're all forced to read To Kill a Mockingbird, we know that there are reasons why linked to white supremacy and racism, why people might lie or have different dynamics in reporting. We see the way that people addressed Aziz Ansari and people, I like searched the other day and I searched Aziz Ansari rape and Aziz Ansari rapist and everybody's still calling, like not everybody, but many people on the left are still calling him a rapist, which he's not a rapist. And I think words and precision with words is so important because then you lose other things. But but then with Joe Biden, you see all of these people who are, I would say some of the same people because I just did some name searching. Um, they like refuse to call him a rapist or like an offender of anything. And I and I think that's weird. And I think that's super bizarre. And I think people forget like the history of the country and like the way sexuality and like and like sexual violence has been used to like found the nation and like the dynamics that we have. You know what you know what's interesting about babe.net? I found an article that from Refinery29 and it talks about the fall of babe.net. It talks about why it's shuttered. And the article is called Frat Frat Feminism. Inside the fall of babe.net. And basically what describing, it seems like it had the same type of toxic culture that Vibe did in a lot of those too cool for shock gonzo wannabe um, Williamsburg publications have. I think it's kind of interesting that uh, it kind of had this eulogy written that was all about how toxic it itself was. Yeah, they they had their own. Uh, one of their editors actually assaulted a twenty year old that worked there when she was drunk, um, and that's not an excuse. But it's weird that they really went in for Aziz. Like they they were so fetishy with that story, where like they literally blew up um, the article, like a huge, like it's literally half the size of the writer, and they like framed it and put it in their office. And they like, and the the writer herself was fighting with so many people who were asking about like the facts and like why she like said certain things. Like if you remember, I don't know if you remember the article, but there's a whole like big section dedicated to how she likes red wine but he ordered white and that was like a transgression like and a lot of and a lot of women did take that up they were like men are so inept that they don't even know like when they like make decisions like that like they don't even ask us about even wine choices and I'm and to me it's more of like a that that one part of the story was a communication issue and like maybe he's thoughtless and just orders wine but like a lot of people just order for the table but like but like that's not part of like the like the reporting was bad but then then you read about their downfall and they had two uh kind of senior staff editors um who have assaulted women um in their office 
um, because their office was like kind of an apartment as well. And they've also and and like had issues. And then also um, they had like a culture where it was like very normal to hook up with higher ups. But like then there was a power dynamic. People felt uncomfortable. And then there were comments made and like a sexual like harassment comments in the office and like a lot of mean girl stuff between the other women who like weren't sleeping with those two editors. And, and so it's just very bizarre that then they became these kind of people who like paraded around like Aziz Ansari is a scumbag. And like these men, this man is bad. This brown man is bad. Yeah, I do something very racialized about it for sure. But I also think, too, there's this idea, I think, it's one thing for us to do that, but we're at least white men. But I felt there was, I've noticed among, like, like there's a lot of talk about, like, brown women who didn't like Aziz's fetishization of, of white women. You know, and I can understand that. There are a lot of articles about that. But what was interesting was, I was surprised at how many supposedly uh, progressive liberal white people kind of took shots at him for only dating uh, white women. And I found that very interesting. I was like, where is that coming from? You know, like that, like, is the, is the idea, is the idea that um, white women don't want to be uh, treated? Cause, okay, there's a lot of white guys who just kind of have their own manic pixie dream girl, uh, navel gazing type of shows where they're hooking up with uh, a bunch of ingenue pixie types who are hotter than them like all the time like that's every every hipster comedian indie actor who makes a big zach braff whatever you know that's like that's like the uh profile you know you hook yourself with, with natalie portman or some girl out of your league who's playing a manic pixie dream girl i mean you can even take it back to like woody allen you know and, and mia farrow but i think there was something where they were so mad at him for it where there's like a a slobby guy like the king of queens guy with leah Romini uh, or still zach braff or woody allen type intellectual or whatever i mean what is it about this brown muslim guy where it's really bothering you that he's with these cute white girls and i felt like there was this kind of even among supposedly um progressive white people but the men and the women like he's arrogant enough to think he's it's one thing for white men to misogynistically trivialize us but that's the way the world's been but you know a brown muslim guy no it was it was it was weird and i think yeah yeah, yeah. go ahead sorry oh the last thing i was gonna say is you pr- I feel like that probably even happened at the magazine because I'm looking at the, the guys who worked at this magazine and looked at the usual typical entitled white white hipster guys with trust funds or open magazines, you know, like but but somehow it's okay in that culture to have people like that uh, having a toxic culture, you know. But you have to leave the magazine and go take down his ease and sorry and then put the poster in back in the actual toxic workplace you know well i think like this is a conversation that like a lot of i think online leftists don't like having where they're where they they don't want to think about how the conversation shifts so much when the man is like a different race and it's the same type of woman and i think it goes back to like there is like underlying anxieties around brown men accessing dating having relationships with white women and and like i i'm don't want to be hypocritical and say like i haven't dunked on aziz and sari's writing for like the way he writes about brown women I don't necessarily care if he's dating for white women or like lusting after white women. Mindy Kaling does the same with white men and has been heavily criticized for that. And I've seen white people criticize her for only having white love interests um, in her writing um, from The Office and The Mindy Project. And now her show that she wrote about growing up like as a teenager in a white community and the love interest is again a white guy. And I think I think what's weirder is that 
I I think it's a I think it speaks to something where like it's okay for like all of these like white um even like female leads to also only have like the one type of white man that they date but then the minute Mindy does it and and I'm guilty of being so close-minded like five years ago when I was younger um and just reading like kind of like Jezebel and like kind of like the garbage id poll stuff and like not thinking kind of thinking like why are people uncomfortable I I think it's anxieties about like having people of color date and be in relationships with white people when like they just assume everything radical means everything has to be like BIPOC and everything has to be the way I think it has to be and like the only love that's liberatory is like love between two people of color and like they they want Aziz to be liberatory but he's not doing that he's a comedian Master of None is like a comedy show like Camille Nanjiani like they're they're not trying to be like um, socially conscious they're just brown so then we make them socially conscious which is like the weirdest thing yeah, well, I mean, one thing I think is interesting about, I mean, because people try and call Aziz Ansari like a feminist, and I didn't really find him to be like such a hardcore male feminist. He wasn't like the guy from Orange is the New Black, where that guy was going Oh, way. Matt McGorry? Yeah, yeah. He wasn't a Matt McGorry. Like, I feel like people are kind of coming up with these backwards rationalizations to justify, like, how, what a great uh, comeuppance this was. And I'm like, Aziz Ansari, I've seen his stand-up, I've seen his shows. It has some problems, it has some strengths, but being over-the-top male feminist, I've never, I mean... He's trying to do things like, hey, sex harassment is bad, you know, and this is bad. But it was pretty mild, mild feminist. It was just common sense, don't be a douchebag type of stuff. So the way people were trying to elevate him to Matt, Matt McCory. But you know what's interesting? The problem I have with the Mindy Kaling stuff and the Aziz Ansari stuff that I felt with Mindy Kaling, I felt the people of color on the show were always portrayed not that great. Like, like you know, there's a black girl oh, in the yeah. office and she, the black girl is just a total hood girl stereotype and you know it's always has long nails and popping gum and and and, and like, like black people are just very kind of tropey and on as Ezen's show i didn't like how he portrayed brown women you know um he wasn't bad with the black woman but he didn't actually date the black woman he just commiserated on bad dating stuff but um and the same thing happened with um kumail numanji i don't know if i'm pronouncing his name uh the guy from the big sick like the way he made dating uh brown women seem like such a chore you know, you know? yeah it, it, that that part I think that to me bothers me more than elevating White, uh, love interest. Uh, yeah, yeah, because um, yeah. for example, Jessica Williams is that is that her name? Uh, the, the one who was on the Daily Show. She had some kind of um movie on Netflix where she was dating white guys but I mean to her credit she just erased black guys altogether they just didn't really exist <laughs> in the thing and I'm like okay, you know that's her preference. I get, you know, it would have bothered me more if she was um trying to date black guys and they were just terrible to date and she was almost driven to do it by how bad the intraracial choices were which is something that i felt was touched on a little bit with uh master of none but was made a little over the top explicit with the big sick oh yeah like i i saw the the Aziz thing like just going back to like it's it's because he's like said he's a feminist which is like a bigger issue where like people self-idea as feminist and then it's just like a downhill spiral from there where like people shouldn't be I don't think celebrities should, I don't think other people should self-ID and then just like, it's just because they're like saying, like you said, like the stand-up just says sexual assault is bad. Like that doesn't mean you're a feminist. Like feminist is like active and like committed and like knowing. Yeah, like you said, Matt McGorry Aziz is like a good dichotomy of what that means. Um, The portrayal of people of color. Yeah, Mindy Kaling has had an issue with writing people of color for so long. Um, except for when she writes like herself, I guess, like as Kelly Kapoor and stuff, but she was like really parodying a version of herself. But um, Kumail and Aziz, I agree. I think the bigger issue than them 
having white love interests because to me I'm like why like the brown women a lot of brown women wrote kind of pieces being like why do they only date white women blah 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 and I'm like do you really like is is liberation for you dating this like brown dude who clearly hates his culture and like hates his people and like doesn't like that that's the character right that they they want to like kind of have a parasocial dating relationship with through his writing or whatever or they expect better from like to me it's worse that you're right like Camille Nanjiani like the way he kind of memed brown women was like disturbing to me um as like a South Asian woman and I was in a coffee shop in Toronto actually um before corona and I overheard this date that this Pakistani man was having with this white woman and I was sitting like so close because the way coffee I'm sure it's like this in New York too where the coffee shop tables are so close at these like yeah, nice yeah, little yeah. bougie you don't have places to try to be- eavesdropping to over here yeah yeah like I wasn't eavesdropping at all and I actually had to put in headphones because I wanted to like punch the guy he's talking to this white woman it's their first date and he's talking about how his parents want to take him back home and just arrange a marriage and how Pakistani women all suck and like they're not cool and like they're not progressive and they're not open-minded and he's just this is the first date and this is like his introduction of women from his culture to this white woman and the white woman asks him if he knows who Benazir Bhutto is. And I was like, I started dying. Oh I was like, God. I was like, oh my God, she knows, she knows, she has more respect for Pakistani women and culture than this guy who is like parodying Pakistani women and why he doesn't want to date them and why he's going to hinge to date white women. And and like she should like, and he's about to like go to Pakistan and his parents are gonna to try to arrange him, but he's been dating white women on hinge because we all suck and we're not feminists. And and then she like literally was like, dude, have you heard of Benazir Bhutto? And I was Good like, man, I, yeah, I was like, I, cause I was going to jump in and be like, dude, like I have Pakistani, like you got to shut up. Like, sorry, you suck. But she did it. And he, his face like froze. And he reminds me of like the Aziz Kumail Nanjiani types. And so I'm wondering all these like brown feminists who are writing pieces that are like, oh, Kumail and like Aziz, like why, why don't you want to date brown women or write in your characters dating brown women? I'm like, do you want to actually, do you actually think a normal grounded based brown woman would like want to date somebody like that? I I don't think they actually want to date those. um, They just want representation. Yeah. They want representation as one thing. And I think one weird paradox of, you see a lot with black writing. I, I feel like with a lot of the representation crowd, they're actually, even though they're criticizing opposite gender couples, in a strange way, a lot of times they're more jealous the brown person getting to date the white person than they really are not being allowed to date the brown person. But they have to mask it. Like, I think they kind of think of it as an arms race. And the reason why I think this is because there was one girl, I forgot her name. She was very big on Twitter at one point. And people used to just keep sending me her takes because they were so bad. But she, but she was she was this brown girl on Twitter. And she was always criticizing Aziz and Sorry, But she was always bragging about dating white guys. And I was like, what a weird dichotomy. And I realized, like, in her mind, it's kind of like an arms race of acceptance and assimilation. And Aziz and Sorry is like, like, Mindy Kaling is a win. But then Aziz Ansari's show is a little more critically acclaimed and, you know, has three seasons and has more clout. And now, like, the brown guys, one leg up. But she didn't particularly seem to like brown guys. She was always bad-mouthing them. Not just Aziz Ansari, but general ones. Like, she was kind of a gender-reversed version of what she was complaining they were like. And I started realizing um, there was a weird double standard there. I think people sometimes do that. Sometimes people, they know they're supposed to be woke and they know they're, so, they're not supposed to be self-hating. So they mask it under a fake solidarity sometimes. I'm not saying that this is everybody. I think some people just wanted the representation, you know? Maybe some people actually did think Aziz Ansari was a catch and they would like to date him. Like, you know, that might have existed too. But I do think there's a type. And a lot of times they write for a lot of these uh, magazines that are very... And 
who they're fine with Mindy Kaling doing it, but they don't like when Aziz Ansari do it. Like, like which is different than someone who hates when both people do it. You see, you see what I mean? Yeah, but that's like the this like lazy, lazy, fair feminism that we're seeing, where it's it's like with Warren, with every every woman lately, it's just like she's a woman. Why are you holding women accountable? Why are women expected to be bearers of culture? Like, why are women? But like, it's it's actually you're right. It's it's a very weird standard, and I guess um. I'm always thinking like, what do all of these people long for? Like, what is their end goal? And if they're leftists, like what's, what are like, what are they doing for leftist gains? Like, I don't really understand. And I, and maybe this is because I'm biracial. My mom's Moroccan. So I've never had like a purity. I only want to see two people of the same ethnicity together. And so I've, I've always looked at things very differently. And even in my own life, I'm very like, does this person have common goals? Like, does this person have the same like class analysis? Yeah, but there's a lot of weird gymnastics that people are doing because I feel like if someone is just into like racial purity, that's one thing. If someone is into um, the opposite, you know, where it's like, I don't care, I'm let's say fair, you know, that's one thing. Somebody might even be the opposite extreme and it's like, hey, I only date outside of my race. If that's your thing, but as long as you be consistent, but there's this weird thing that happens now where people want to have their, not only have the double standards, but find a way to... Um, present them as as woke so what you'll get is like uh there were a lot of people who are criticizing Aziz and sorry for doing that but they were praising mindy kaling as evolved and and a step forward but then trying to make these rationalizations as to they were all unconvincing as to why they were um different you know and and uh, men do it too like some men will be like um yeah you know white men are the leaders of colonization so it's different when when this person glorifies uh, white men, but if someone like Donald Glover does it, you know that's okay because it's it's different because uh, it's a it's a because people like Emmett Till died for supposedly whistling at a white like, like people will do weird rationalizations like that and like, like there was even this talking point that evolved on Twitter with some uh, black feminists some black women where they where they were saying can you date white and still be pro-black and they were seriously answering if you're a black woman yes but if you're a black woman if you're a black man no and it's like okay that's just weird they gave all these reasons why uh supposedly biracial kids with a black mother are actually pro-black and great but biracial kids with black father and a white mother end up being anti-black and traitors of the community people are having serious like Tumblr, like full woke discussions trying to justify this. And I mean, thankfully, most people were just laughing at them like, you guys are crazy. But there was enough of them with the rehearsed uh, script that was really kind of disturbing. Yeah, Islam is kind of weird um, in the way that... So I've, I've heard that too, actually. So like, I've heard always that like um, from the, the Pakistani community, because my dad is Pakistani, that like, this is why I'm like, I have such a gap, but it's weird because I'm weirdly popular with South Asians as like a writer and like a speaker. And, and I get hired by South Asians all the time um, because I think I actually had to learn the culture very deeply because of that gap that I guess I had from not having a South Asian mother. But like, but people always would, were very upset about it. Like they were very weird about my mom and um, it was, it was bizarre. Um, but I think I'm also like mixed before, like a lot of Pakistanis were mixing. So that's probably why I'm in my twenties. Um, but I, I think in, so in Islam, your dad can be Muslim and your mom doesn't have to be. Um, but if a Muslim woman um, wants to marry somebody else, no, but that's because the logic that's given to people is that the, the fathers are like the stronger person in the household. Whereas like, I guess, culturally, other cultures or cultures believe, not religions, that mothers give the culture. And it's like so weird and contested. And like, obviously, like you're saying, it's like messy. Like you, you can't just be like mom equals child will be fine and like know the culture and be proud of the culture dad equals no like there's so many other factors 
Yeah, and it's and it's so rigid and essentialist. It's almost like a type of uh, race science, almost. You know. Yeah, it's super weird because, like, if I if I think about it, like my my dad didn't really give me culture. If we like went by the logic of dad gives you culture, but that's not because of him being my dad. It's just because he like just he's not a fan of his own um some parts of his culture because of like whatever moving trauma you know all these all those things that like people don't think about whereas like my mom gave me her parts of her culture because I also do research in Morocco and I spend time there like it's different yeah and it's, it's interesting like in this time and era of like everything being ephemeral and microwave popcorn type um attention spans um like everything pops up fast and then disappears fast you know to a lot of people talking about Aziz and Sorry you might as well be talking about uh, something that happened 20 years ago, you know, and it really wasn't that long ago. I thought it was was interesting thing to bring up, A, because there's a brown woman coming on the show and we're talking about white feminist, feminism, because that's really the broader thing that we wanted to talk about. And, and it's interesting thing to reevaluate in the light of this hypocrisy that has has happened because there's been a lot of hypocrisy you know and you could probably get away with talking about it in a way that you couldn't back then because right now a lot of white liberal feminists don't really have a leg to stand on as far as trying to call these things out like for example there was a guy whose life was with two guys whose careers were ruined by the shitty men in media list they were saying that we can't confront our accusers that things are hearsay we're not we're not guilty we don't even know who did this and just an honest person is able to put this up and our lives are ruined but the person who made the list gets to become like gets a writing gig and a book gig off of being the creator of the list you know and being all about whisper networks and that, that becomes her brand she's able to make it her brand and you know they were saying you know it's really unfair my whole career is shut down and and when the guys is like suing her right and i'm not saying what they did or didn't do it it's not my place to say but what's interesting is to see more again who now at the stretch for the for the guardian or something and who got this brand off of this stuff um first ignoring the joe biden claims right which is i mean if if you want to say compare like claims like if you want to talk about aziz and sorry versus joe biden like the shitty men in media list some of the people there it was just like um being creepy you know or like it was everything from like outright rape to uh, being a sex pest or just being being creepy. One guy just had a good, a creepy vibe, you know? You can't turn around and dismiss the Joe Biden, act like you're litigating it when your whole career is based on having a list that you produced that was anonymous, like like blindly believed, you know? And it's, it's going to be interesting. Like, what do you think the hit to that brand of white feminism is going to be like do you think they will have any accountability or being that they kind of run their own their own show like they are prominent face of women's media do you think who do you think is going to hold them accountable if anybody um i like grapple with this question so much lately because i've been since i've gotten off twitter i've been getting contacted more than ever through the weirdest ways like people found my private instagram to like ask me to write things and i but like, who am I is the one thing because these people have so much institutional clout that I don't have and some other people who are critical, like class critical don't have who like people just write us off as like Bernie people when like I've been doing this stuff way before Bernie. Um, and I've always been critical of white feminism because it kind of obscures, it's obscures nuance. Um, and it's, it's like you said, it's like this Twitter feminist writer cabal that rose like Donegan and like her friends Sadie and um Amanda Marcotte and uh, the the one who lives in um, she lives in Kenya and she called it like Nairobi. What's her name? She's like the big one. She really annoys me. Um, says a lot um, of 
racist light stuff does she live in kenya or is she from kenya uh she's white and i and if she has kenyan origin it's because her family owns like uh she does yoga in guatemala a lot oh man it's killing me now um no 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 i I know she is she she presents as white but she tries to really play up that she's um woman of color i guess to get extra clout is that is that woman i don't know if it's her but she there's a one who's like a from like a she's like literally from a settler family um it's weird anyways um is it everyday feminism is that the site no she she writes for the guardian as well she's a lawyer um she married like this like really white white dude who's also accidentally quote-unquote accidentally said racist things and she's like she's like had to cover up his tweets for it but but basically oh wait is it, is it jill Filipovic? yeah 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 and her dad's like a, her grandpa was a war criminal like her, like all of this stuff like all of this stuff about her. And, she's, and she's really tone deaf in a in a in a class and racial way too like, like she She'll always be um, shooting pictures on vacation and stuff, and it'll be places where it's like the staff is treated bad. Yeah, yeah, Costa Rica, she went on a yoga retreat, and then she was like tweeting about Bernie sucks and stuff like that, and I'm like, can you like shut up? But yeah. She's very Elizabeth Elizabeth Gilbert, eat, pray, love. Yeah, exactly. Good that's way to put vibe. it. And that's like the vibe of this feminist writer, this feminist writers group that literally they made money off of what? Writing, they made money and names off of writing about Trump being like complicit in sexual assault, writing about Brett Kavanaugh being complicit in sexual assault, and like we're going to be completely honest Blasey Ford had less substantial evidence than Tara Reid does have right now and right now these women are like making every excuse possible to like not say anything positive for on Tara Reid's behalf right so so to me I think like nobody's holding them accountable because anybody who tweets them just gets blocked they have these huge platforms because they've spent four years building platforms and like editor connections and getting spots at all these like major outlets through dunking on Trump through criticizing um, uh, Brett Kavanaugh through saying me too makes sense and me too doesn't have any holes and everybody else has a hole and it like brings me back actually to one of the responses to the Aziz and Sari piece was by um somebody named Nadia Agrawal where she, it's ironic because she's like dunking on all this stuff and talking about like brown women and like empowerment and stuff and a part of it but then she's like she talks about how like we don't know the person who reported um Aziz and Sari we don't know her race and like it, it came out like uh, that it was a white person it was a white woman who who does have who is very white feminist um but also agrawal is like oh in like sexual violence there's there's no room for race i'm a brown woman and i say this and so these like also these brown women who are like very pmc i would argue and and st- and women of color have done this where they've like put up these white women like sadie doyle and moira and stuff like that so they're, they're kind of almost untouchable because they do have a buffer of friends who are people of color who should be holding them accountable but they don't um, so I, th- I think the future is that there's just this liberal feminism hole where like they choose they choose who is a rapist and they choose who is bad and then they choose good victims and bad victims. And, and we see that with um, Tarana Burke and AOC right now, dicing their words around um, how to hold Biden accountable. And we see people saying he can be accountable and they're using they're they're bastardizing, honestly, uh, language around transformative justice the worst part they find a way to weaponize like language intended for the opposite and use it to um you know it's, it's, not, it's not different than that girl calling uh trolling white guys on tinder reparations like, like you're trivializing and misusing a serious uh, social justice movement 
to just justify something you're basically trivializing it yeah and i forgot which person like theorists said it like a hundred years ago where they're like the appropriation of like socialist language and like workers rights is going to be like the downfall of the left which is like what i'm seeing with this like white feminist media that you're identifying too where like they're literally putting out pieces in the biggest places like new york times and stuff like that being like we have a hard decision to make now la 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 and like it's 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 ridiculous how, how about Alyssa milano uh, making a big show of showing up to the supreme court hearings and sitting behind the guy kavanaugh for photo ops you know glaring at him and stuff and then suddenly um saying i believe believe women like with a straight face saying on twitter believe women didn't actually mean believe uh, all women like you know and making excuses like like um and, and the problem is the problem is this like okay people come to you and ask you to write this piece right but if if you get blackballed you know those people are going to be fine like, like people are going to go after you editor you know um meanwhile like if a, a man of color or a white man did it it would look like hey you know are you trying are you trying to make um excuses for women not to be believed like you know if you say hey believe women ended up being like a hypocrisy and whatever now you look like somebody who just wants like you don't look like this but people will say with a straight face that you're a rape apologist you know um so it's like basically you're put in a place where the only people who can really get away with doing a devastating takedown on this is going to have to be uh one of their own and doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon like like rose mcgowan uh, for example was someone who was kind of on par with Alyssa Milano as, as being a face of this movement who was willing to take Alyssa Milano to task for being a hypocrite you know and that carried like a certain amount of weight that you know someone else was doing it because I feel like a, a lot of these say, say someone like Tarana Burke right Tarana Burke she's just happy to be invited you know she's been doing this stuff on a very low level with no with no notice and she just lucked up into clout because she just happened to have a hashtag that coincided with the one that Alyssa Milano used and to save face, you know, because uh, these different black women were like, uh, actually, someone else did Me Too. But her Me Too was a different Me Too. It was it was related to women, but it wasn't part of the same wave of accusations and 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 sexual harassment that Alyssa Milano was talking about. But Alyssa Milano was like, oh, someone acknowledged, someone told me that this was actually a pre-existing hashtag and a movement. And, you know, I want to apologize to Tarana Burke and, you know, also invite her on board. So Tarana Burke just basically had this old hashtag just by virtue of it still being up lucked into this clout uh, she's not gonna mess things up and go back to obscurity she, she's not gonna call out Alyssa milano who basically um was gracious enough to um let her call herself the founder of the me too movement even though she was really a founder of a whole different unrelated me too uh, movement but i think there's a lot of that with a lot of these writers of color regardless of gender where there's only one of us in a lot of the time to sit at the table maybe two and if i make too many waves they're gonna throw me back where i came from and there's like 50 more like me waiting in the wings uh that they can replace me with because they only let in one or two of us at a time yeah and I've, I've heard this too like in my work life um often where people are like just do the change from within like they'll just replace you it's like the diversity it's like the diversity curse where like these people fought for diversity without structural changes um they just fought to be like a warm body at a table so like they're very disposable and replaceable right but um i think also like there's there's a problem with me too that's a bigger problem that now we're seeing with all of this is like nobody ever 
operationalized goals for me too. There's never been like yeah, really operationalized yeah. goals and there's never been like operationalized definitions and there's never been like there there was no like real respect or like reckoning with like the history of like sexual violence in the nation and like what has sexual violence meant for different groups. It was like as if it all touches everybody the same way when like when we we know that's like one not true and then um I was part of a project at a drop in in Toronto where it was actually kind of counter storytelling me too because at the drop in that I was um, working at those women are like 100% never going to be part of a me too narrative right they're like sex workers substance users women who don't look a certain way uh and so I I think like the big thing that um people always don't realize is that like me too did cater to very specific types of women women who are like able to vocalize their stories women who have platforms women who are like literate to a point where they can like write a narrative and present it in a way that people consume well. And I think we're seeing that even with, um, not to just keep bringing it back to this, but Blase Ford and Tara Reid, like Tara Reid doesn't speak the way Blase Ford does. She's not a tenured prof and that's playing a huge role. She's not saying my limbic system was um, I- impacted years later. She's not using that language, right? She's like been described as like a little gruffer. Some people have brought up that she's like not pretty or like put together and like um, on Slate, Slate political gab fast fest. I think it was Emily Nossenbaum, who's also a big Me Too feminist, quote unquote, person, was like trying to like mediate on why she doesn't believe Tara Reid the same way. And she basically came to the conclusion, uh, if you really sit with it, that she doesn't because basically Tara Reid's like not an academic. And I think Me Too really was good for for basically. I think people who can articulate their stories, um, people, uh, basically people who can present their ideas in a certain way and people who like looked consumable and palatable to the public. And Tara Reid still is uh, just like, yeah, basically, I think it's just a big, weird mess with um people and like it's going back to respectability honestly like one thing i think is interesting like i feel even if you do kind of create something where you put people on the top of color like you don't just get people a seat at the table but maybe you get a little more structural changes and you get a couple of people on the top of whatever organization you have and have them be of color another problem that thing happens is i think a lot of the people who are able to climb these organizations as people of color do it by not rocking the boat by being one of the gang you know you know the same way like some women rise to the top of a traditionally sexist field by overcompensating on being frat broish themselves like i'm sure a lot of people of color who get to the top of things do it by not rocking the boat or being actually well socialized for white spaces so i think a lot of people say oh put don't just put people of color at the table put them in charge but a lot of times people in charge they feel they have to overcompensate to show that they're not being partial to their own you know you see as high as obama obama i think was felt very hamstrung but he didn't want to seem like he was giving black people special treatment so he ended up like almost doing like nothing really just for black people it was he had to show he was a president of all america not just black america but these people like Alyssa Milano and these other people, Emily Nussbaum, all these people, they've made it clear they have no problem changing or playing, playing favorites on a whim. Yeah, actually, I was wrong. It's Emily uh, Bazelon. So I want to correct that. Sorry. Okay. But but Nussbaum has her own weird thing with like people of color and just like elect people of color because people of color. But it was Bazelon who did the weird thing on Tara Reid where she's she's just like lost, in my opinion. But but I, I think it's um people don't ever think about like structural change or like people don't think about like, OK, if if um if now I have, for example, people are talking about Nikki Haley running, right? Um, that's the big thing. Like Nikki Haley 
uh, run after Trump, right? Nikki Haley is like South Asian. And I, I think it's weird that people think like Nikki Haley is going to like bring girl power to like this bad stuff or like brown girl power. Um, I think it's like really bizarre. I mean, there's that, that leftist um, meme that always goes around like uh, with, with the clap emojis, like more female wardens. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's of, what I thought of when people before. are like, when people are like, oh, Nikki Haley, like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, really? Like, this is this is bad. Like, this is really bad. Like, it's not like a, a like I actually today I saw a tweet that somebody sent me that was like, oh, man, you should come back on just to fight with this person. And they were talking about the cultural renaissance of uh, brown people. And they were naming all the brown people we have in like politics or like we have in media and they're naming like they were literally naming trash like literally they're naming trash and they're and the person's just like look we have all these brown people now and like it's so good and um so like it's a it's a renaissance of brown people who've been like neglected in media and things like that and i think it's i think it's bizarre the whole like just elect somebody because of their like warm body identities i've always thought it was weird like how they're like woman vp woman vp and it's like what's that gonna do yeah, it's, it's it's very weird because like a lot of people, I think now there's a cultural ethos, and it's not even just with minorities. I think it's just in general, like this idea of yourself as a brand, of yourself just something you have to constantly, the image you have to cultivate, image you have to market. Like like you have to do it all now. You can't just be the best writer that you want to be and then just sell yourself to a newspaper and have them hire you. You can't be the best model or actress or whatever you want to be like people now want you to be your own publicist they want you to be your pr person they want you to cultivate your own audience you know and then bring all this stuff to them you know like they want you to show up and show up and basically bring your own audience be an influencer be um already known like like have a following on social media and all this stuff so i think it's kind of cultivated people to just think of everything in terms of exposure and and clout like like and not about about quality anything that helps the brand even by by proxy like you know oh if this becomes visible then this helps me um be seen this helps me this is a promotion for for me you know what i mean like optics is is everything you know whereas if it was more about talent or belief it doesn't really help you as much because like if Michael Jordan uh, is like their premier like brand ambassador or something, and it's because of his basketball skill. That doesn't really help me because I have to learn how to play basketball on that level. But if um, somebody is getting put on just because they're black, well, hey, I can do that. I've already done that. I've already done done three quarters of the work just by being me. So I feel like in a weird way, it's about themselves. They kind of feel there's some kind of personal brand benefit they're going to get from this. It's almost like a product placement. Yeah, and I think it doesn't help that people have developed these weird like parasocial relations to certain people in media or like whatever like politics and like you see it around AOC right AOC is a brand I don't know if you're okay going into this territory because people hate talking about AOC because they're like oh she does more good than harm and I'm like it's not about that it's about that she's she's fully a brand she like was on RuPaul's Drag Race and doing the most nationalistic patriotic stuff I've heard and anybody else who did what she did would be like canceled sure. quote unquote she like literally had had a whole bit where she posted on her Twitter where she's like, we are all patriots, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, are you people still convinced that she like doesn't give a crap about foreign policy? Like she literally, which person, like Ilhan Omar has never, ever, ever, ever been like, 
I'm a patriot. She's never done that. And she's been attacked so much. So it's like not an excuse that it's like to normalize them and like uh, make them more palatable to like American public, blah, blah, blah. Like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib have never bent the knee with that stuff. AOC like goes on RuPaul and she like does the whole bit and she does the like kind of, she plays up, she like plays up how she pronounces her name. Sometimes she did a video for Muslims recently where she literally was like playing up her own pronunciation of her name and all these Muslim words where like Muslims in America don't pronounce words like that. Yeah, she she's something where I kind of saw it when it was happening. Where I was like, I feel like 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 this is my big fear with people, and I feel this way with like Black Lives Matter and a lot of Black activists. Like a lot of people think they're savvy because they've caught on to the old person who pulled a trick on them, but they're more than ready to be hoodwinked by the new face doing the same trick, but just slightly um, refined or or adjusted. So it's like a lot of people are very congratulatory now that they kind of see through Obama and they'll talk about all this stuff like, oh, we were fooled. It was a cult of personnel. He had the right package and said the right things, but he didn't really follow through and it was charisma and good looks and whatever. And while they're patting themselves on the back with that, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is showing dangers of becoming a similar thing, becoming her own cult of uh, personality or someone who's kind of lightly vetted because uh, people find her like likable in this parasocial thing. And I think that's something that's really dangerous. I feel that way with um, these two new shootings of black men that happened. Everyone from before who's trying to hop back on it, people like uh, D-Ray and people at The Root and other places, they're trying to hop back on it. And then, and people are like, oh no, we remember, you, you guys sold out, you never got anything done, you guys just uh, tried to go to the Oscars and write memoirs and appear in Vanity Fair, you guys just used it to build your own brands. And people are feeling really good. Like, I was talking with somebody. I was talking with uh, Andre Domiz, and and he was like, yeah, I think people are too savvy now. They're not going to fall for it again. I'm like, I'm not that optimistic. I think think they're not going to fall for it from the old actors. But I bet you if a brand new face comes, he's just a little more radical than than D-Ray, Black Lives Matter, and, you know looks a little more punk rock or whatever, or a little more Afrocentric, whatever, they're going to fall for it all over again. And then a year from now, we're going to see that person attending the Oscars, you know? Well, I, uh, first, I, I love Andre. So this is nice to hear his name in this conversation. Um, but with Obama, I don't know if you remember, but one of his big promises um, was to shut down Guantanamo Bay. Uh, and he had all that language around it. So like leftists who were kind of bitter about the Iraq war and like understood. So like, it's not the type of online left we have now, but like left activists did say vote Obama kind of as like harm reduction or whatever. And he'll shut down Guantanamo. Guantanamo is still open. We've like romanticized Bush now where we're in this weird post world where like Michelle Obama hugs Bush. He hangs out with Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's super weird and grotesque. And, and they're all brands, right? And AOC, I think you're right. She's going to be lightly vetted because she has all this activist language. And anytime I've ever tweeted about AOC, and I'm so light about it, I'm like, AOC is kind of a centrist. Like, stop saying she's radical because she says prison abolition. And people just start getting so oh, angry. I think I saw you get attacked for that Oh once. my God, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. I got very, so attacked. Very recently. It was very recently, right? Everybody kind of got on you. Yeah, all these leftists who are like my friends and comrades, like they just, jumped on me they were like I got I got like um I've never been like really threatened with like rape or assault it was the first time somebody's like I hope the DNC rapes you it was like a big follower of mine for years and he was like he was like I hope the DNC rapes you for being bad to like the most radical person we've had in the in the in congress for this long and I was like are you okay and then Michael Brooks Michael Brooks like uh, took it up with me and then people started attacking him on my behalf or whatever I don't know it was so weird it was weird when you said that threat that he 
said, I found myself laughing, not because it was funny to threaten sexual violence, but because it was just such a weird threat. Like, it would be like someone just saying out of the blue, like, oh, the DNC lynches you. But, but they're supposed to be like on on the left like 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 why not just say hey I hope the I hope when the DNC disappoints you you get like like why go that far because like because it's kind of weird you're supposed to be on the left you're supposed to be an ally you're supposed to be better than this stuff but you go to the most vile place instantly to the point that the things even nonsensical like like the idea of an institution oh and it was like it was like a very um very well described threat too it was like literally i hope the dnc like spreads your legs and rapes you for like not liking aoc it was so vile and the person kept following oh, me that's, yeah. and they would still like reply to my tweets and tell me how smart and great i was and i was like so you're just mad at me for this aoc thing and it happened with so many people i got messages because i have open dms of people being like um you just are jealous because you're a brown woman who's like not in congress i'm like that's like not my aspirational goal like that's like not something i desire first first off you're in canada yeah i'm in canada i'm an american citizen but i am in canada yeah yeah so i i am an american citizen so i think people think i i want that stuff i also yeah first off i am in canada and i'm i'm quite happy to be honest like it has its own problems but it's better than florida yeah i think i think when people do that i think when people do that they're kind of exposing something about themselves because i feel like if your your first thing that you jump to that this person is jealous because they want clout or exposure then i think if anything that's kind of um revealing you project you're projecting your own thing because it's weird like i don't normally jump to that with people like I, I try to give people the good faith that they have a real um disagreement with something so i always used to find it very interesting that people that's the first thing they would always jump to they would always jump to uh you're just jealous or or you wish you had that exposure when at the time when deray was still untouchable as far as being criticized now it's kind of become kind of more like an open joke only really really hardcore groupies i think still kind of rock with him or really tone deaf like boomer type centrist you know still believe he has any type of connection to any radical tradition but at the time when it was uncool to this like Duray, no matter what i brought up about him no matter whether it was about his uh stuff with teach for america and all these weird neoliberal think tanks and institutions and things he was connected with and and how he came out of nowhere and was clearly like a astroturf type of plant everyone just be like oh you know you just you just uh jealous and there were there was a guy who was on the ground in ferguson who was from ferguson who was complaining about how d ray kind of was a protest crasher who uh, hijacked the protest and made, made himself the face of it and and people were just complaining to him uh you just wish that, that you were getting on tv like him like this guy's not even trying to get on tv he's he's still in ferguson he's not he, he doesn't have a headshot he's not trying to break into that you know before or after yeah i i think it's bizarre i guess because um AOC is older than I am but not that much older than I am and I guess we're both like brown women who like are left so people were just like thinking that that's what I aspire to but I I have no aspirations to be in electoral politics as of right now in my brown life is brown is a weird thing oh, anyway. yeah. Cause, cause what, what does, does brown, brown mean, mean? Brown, what does brown what does brown mean I mean you're from Pakistan and Morocco and she's Puerto from um, is she Puerto Rico like yeah. I mean, I mean the, the, the fact that on the color chart you guys are close somehow makes you like yeah I'm I'm Muslim. I care a lot about foreign policy. She clearly doesn't. I would never identify as a patriot on a TV show like RuPaul's Drag Race. I would never tell people they're a patriot. I don't I don't think nation states are good. Like, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think though, like we were very different. So it was just bizarre that people were like, you just wish you had that platform. I'm like, no, I actually don't. Like, I actually have no desire. I like being in my community and like working in my community um, and doing what I do. Yeah. Um, with people who are like at drop-ins and doing harm reduction, like that's what I like. But I, but actually, what you're making me think of with Jare is you're making me think about more recently. Um, Sean King, 
and like how people are so unable to like kind of deal with him because he does do I don't know if I'm right or wrong here because I did I tweet on the podcast account and so many people had different opinions but um people are like well even if Sean King's bad and like sometimes steals money and does this kind of um protest crashing or whatever he does get things done at times but then he has this weird thinking about brownness he has this thing about race that's confusing so does Rachel Dolezal where like they have they have relations to community more so than like Warren which is weird but then Warren got a pass but they don't get a pass and and I'm not saying this is good or bad I'm just saying it's such a weird conversation and they have celebrity activism yeah you you know you know that's a good part like yeah they call Sean King things like Talcum X and all these other derogatory nicknames but uh, Elizabeth Warren straight up lied and it's no big deal you know it's it's kind of funny and she right. got like a position at Harvard lying that was meant to go to a black woman because um Derek Bell stepped down to give that position to a black woman yeah and that's and that's huge but you know all these a lot of these black women a lot of these black feminists um blue check feminists uh were rallying for her heart all right y'all so that is the end of part one go to again patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two be good